going away to college. Um, I also personally think the biggest step of faith was when I was, uh, when I was in college, when I mustered up the courage to go talk to a beautiful freshman. I just was so intimidated to have this conversation, and she doesn't remember it to this day, which means probably didn't have much of an impact, but her openness to consider me as a friend and a future, uh, future husband was, that was all based, from my standpoint, on that first step of faith I took to just go introduce myself to her. And uh, I think what we discover is when we take steps of faith, like the steps that are here, to my left, your right, that God meets us there. When we take a step of faith, we discover that God was there. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we discover God was there. And He was planning on meeting us there from the beginning. Maybe you stepped forward to uh, a career dream, and then you took another step, and another. And maybe you'll take another this week, trusting that God will bless you, that He will meet you right there at that step. Uh, currently, I take a step of faith in my home. It's something that I've been doing more intentionally in the last uh, six months or so. My sons are now 17 to 21, and three of them are at home fairly often. And for me, it takes a courageous step of faith to go connect with them and pray with them. Now, you might think, oh, wow, you would expect that a, a pastor and his sons would pray together regularly. Well, yes, we do, but it's, it's not always one-on-one. When I, in fact, I sometimes joke uh, in a self-deprecating way about myself when I come home uh, as their dad now. I sometimes say, Daddy's home! And this is the look you get. <laughs> really? <laughs> it, it's not overall. I don't, they don't run to the door and hug me anymore. And when, when they know I want to pray with them, they don't say, oh, it's exciting. Dad's coming to lead me in prayer. It, I, it takes a, it's a step of faith for me. They're older now. They're smarter than me. Uh, it takes a step of faith to go that direction. And yet, there's nothing I would rather do in my own home than pray with my children, pray with my boys, and have a prayer discussion that is heartfelt and honest It, to me, is one of the most valuable things we do in the home. God meets us there. When you take a step of faith, God will meet you there. That's how you know you've taken a step of faith. And what you find is that variables come into play, things that you didn't consider when you take a step of faith. Now, over the next few weeks, I want to talk about you taking a step of faith in an area that this week, Yahoo News says, stresses Americans out. 72% of Americans are stressed out about this step of faith. In fact, 22% of Americans find this to be extremely stressful in their lives. And this is the very step I want you to consider. It is related to how God provides for you, your finances. And the step of faith I want you to go on a journey with me is related to moving into becoming a more generous Christian. I want you to take a step of faith towards generosity. And this is what we know uh, about generosity. You'll be happier if you become a more generous person. You're going to experience more of God's blessing if you're a generous person. You're going to be making an investment of bringing Jesus hope that will be rewarded on this 
earth in this life and in the life to come. Jesus convinced one of the smartest skeptics of the first century, that's Paul, that what you sow is what you grow. He convinced Paul, one of his co-workers, whom he taught personally, that what you sow is what you grow. Now, if you came this morning with a Bible, I want to show you a passage where Paul is teaching us what he learned from Jesus related to giving. And I want to give you a chance to turn there. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 9, verses 6 through 11. It's on page 805 in our Adventure Bibles, if you have one of those. And if you don't have a Bible today, raise your hand and we will bring one out to you. As those are delivered, I want to tell you, you might be thinking, oh my word, Pastor Scott's got to talk about giving. This must be difficult for him. To be honest with you, it's not. Uh, because I love to give. I do. Now, my kids might say, Dad, you're exaggerating a little bit. Uh, when it comes to giving to the Lord, I find myself, I, I love to be challenged to give. I'm not turned off to give. I find it a real opportunity. And so it's, giving has blessed me tremendously in a lot of different ways. Uh, as, as you turn your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, uh, I'll tell you that when I was when I was in my 20s, I made a mistake. I bought a car we shouldn't have bought. Uh, I spent way too much money on it. The, it was used, but the, the, the lease rate on it or the, what I owed on it was way too much for my income. And uh, my wife was like, why did you do this? Within a week, somebody had gone into the bank and actually paid my car off. It was a $22,000 balance. 22.5. They went in. They felt compelled to go in and pay my balance off. They sent us the title. The bank sent us the title within a week after we bought the car. And I'm like, what is this about? We called the bank. They said, somebody came in and paid your car off. After I just bought it a week later, it made me want to go buy another one. <laughs> I just felt so gracious, so thankful that, um, that God provided for us in a ridiculous way. And uh, I, don't, I haven't made a poor car purchase since, uh, but it, it just reminded me that everything is the Lord's. There's lots of resources out there, and boy, if when I say that what you sow is what you grow, it's more than just growing a portfolio. It's growing a personal life that's enriched because you see that it's Jesus himself who provides all your needs. It's, it's bet- giving and being generous is between you and the Lord Jesus, it is very personal, and it stays personal in this church. Before I go forward, just in case you, you feel like, wow, they're going to come looking for me. No, I've never seen anyone's giving in our church in almost 12 years, ever. And I like it that way, because it's between you and who? Jesus, the Lord Jesus, God Almighty. It's between you and him. And so it's with uh, great joy that I talk to you about something that's changed my life. I, I was not a generous person as a young man. I just wanted to accumulate, have that portfolio, that house, all those big dreams. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and listen to what Paul learned from Jesus about giving. Here it is. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. 
For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver at Bayside sometimes. During the offering, they all cheer. Doesn't that sound fun? James, feel free to do that today. Some, here are some obvious take-homes from Jesus on giving here. Number one, if you plant generously, you're going to reap generously. If you plant sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Second observation, when it comes to your generosity, it comes to your heart. It comes from your heart. Don't feel pressured. You need to decide in your heart. Uh, There are no laws in the New Testament that are specific to giving. It's all from your heart. And then lastly, I think that what's so important is that God loves a cheerful giver. Boy, he loves a cheerful giver. So when you give, you want it to be a joy. You want to have fun do it. Fun doing it. In a sentence, if you wanted to tweet this, here's the sermon. What you sow is what you grow. This is the reaping and sowing principle. It became very evident to me just last week. One of our own, I think he'll probably be in next service, Dan Bishop, he's the number two in command at uh, the U.S. Coast Guard, McClellan. Dan Bishop retired last Friday, and his, his commanding officer... Uh, shared with us about some of Dan's achievements. And one of the achievements they shared, uh, one of the remarks the commander of the Coast Guard at McClellan said was that Dan achieved uh, a, a, a rating during flight school being in the top 1% of pilots. So when he graduated from flight school, he was in the top 1%. Man, I was really um, just aghast from that. I was like, that's amazing. How do you accomplish that? So when I went to his party Friday afternoon, I just said, hey, Dan, I've known pilots to score in the top 1%. That is really incredible. How did you do that? And I love the way he said this. He, he gave me some pushback. He said, I got to tell you what happened. And Dan's a math major, as I recall. He's very sharp, went to the academy. But he said, I delayed flight school for two years intentionally. I knew where I wanted to score in flight school. I knew where I wanted to land, what cockpit of what plane I wanted to be in. I knew to get there, I had to really prepare. So for two years, I spent uh, lots of time in a simulator. For two years, I picked the brains of other veteran aviators. For two years, I studied night and day to get ready for flight school. So when I got there, I was ready. Nothing was last minute. And when I heard that in his uh, family room, I thought, wow, what you sow is what you grow. He really prepared. He knew where he wanted to be. Do you know where you want to be from a financial standpoint? I want to suggest, and from just a well-being standpoint, because we know you can have great financials and be in personal turmoil. And I got to tell you, I, want, I would rather be way content with and enriched by Jesus personally than have anyone's money. I want Jesus here primarily. What you sow is what you grow. Let's read on in 2 Corinthians. Let's look at verses 8 and 10. Here it is. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, the harvest of your righteousness. So here are some additional take-homes, just looking at these verses that, that Paul is sharing that he learned from Jesus relating to generosity. Number one, these, these obvious take-homes are, number one, that God gives first so that we can give our resources. 
God gives to us first. Boy, God beat us all when it came to giving. He gave this incredible planet. He gave his one and only begotten son to us. He's the, he is the, uh, the, the greatest, genero- uh, the most generous uh, being uh, ever. And so he gives first so that we can share our resources. God wants us to have all that we need. That's also in there. He wants us to have all that we need. He doesn't want us to be without. God owns all the seed. God owns all the seed. God has made available all the resources we need. God wants to see a harvest, not just of giving, it's giving and Christ-likeness or righteousness. And giving has this giving is one of these strange disciplines that it affects our heart. And it opens our heart to Christ. When you start giving, it opens your heart to Jesus Christ. Now, maybe this will help a little bit. It is certainly was a good weekend to do some, uh, some spreading of seed. And yet, this is, what, this is what we can all fall into. As we're, as we're, I hope that sound effect doesn't turn you off too much. But as we are spreading seed and we find out we're running out of seed... Our nature is to say, well, I've got to stop spreading seed. I, don't, I can't afford this anymore, and I'll wait till I can afford it next spring. And guess what happens? We, we're putting all of our hope in our ability to spread seed. We instead need to go to the seed giver, the one who creates the seed, to get more. And dig in there and come back out as, as, and continue to spread. And unfortunately, a lot of times when folks are running out of seed, where do they stop spreading seed? The church. They're like, uh, you know what, uh, we need to cut back on our giving to the church. Hey, what about cutting back in some other areas? What about putting the church first? What about putting Christ first? One story that I think captures the heart of where sometimes we all land as it relates to giving comes from a U.S. congressman. He sat down with his son to have fries. Uh, He had a Coke. His son was enjoying fries and a Coke. He reached out to simply take one of the fries that his son uh, was eating. And as he took it, his son reached out, grabbed his own bag, pulled it towards him and said, Dad, don't touch my fries. Don't touch my fries. And the father, a congressman, no doubt, uh, uh, in a good financial situation, said, son, I, you know that I could afford, I, I could go in the back, the fries are a buck a piece, I could, I could buy you 100 fries right now. I, I just want to share the fries I gave you, provided you, I just want to share them with you. It, it's, it's more about sharing than me wanting your fries. And the reason I think that story works is that a lot of times we think that, that God is invading us and trying to take away from us when he encourages generosity. No, it's, it's about your willingness to share with Jesus Christ what he has generously given you. And your willingness to trust that he can bring out more fries. When you run out of seed, there's a whole lot more seed in his storehouse than in yours. And so giving becomes this opportunity for relationship. It becomes this opportunity for personal uh, intimacy with Jesus to watch and see how he'll provide. And it becomes exciting. That's why I don't have a problem talking about it at all. 
Here is another reason why it's appropriate we talk about this. Did you know that half of all American congregants, half of them, give $0 annually? Half give $0 annually. Boy, if, if, as I have the privilege of serving as pastor at Adventure and, and your pastor, if I discovered that 50% of the marriages in our church were falling, I would, I would, I would want to address that immediately. If I discovered that 50% of our parenting skills were falling, I would want to talk about parenting. It, it is my responsibility to talk about money. And uh, it's, this, is, this is where I want to start this morning. All right. Where are you at in your own giving personally? Uh, where, what's going on in your heart? And what is the step of faith that for you, the Holy Spirit of God is trying to move you towards. And one more reason I want you to consider giving, uh, besides how it's going to affect adventure, is I think if you can get giving right, I think you can deal with all the other deadly sins in our, that plague us. I think your giving affects how you deal with lust and anger and jealousy, all that stuff. Jesus said that where you're Uh, treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the ways to really shape the direction of your heart is with your giving. The first step of faith I want some of you to consider for the first time today is to take this first step of faith of making a first-time gift. And I'll I'll tell you, I'll give you over the next next three months to make a first-time gift to Adventure uh, or let me challenge you, if, if you really are not interested, if you're like, this does not interest in me at all, let me, let me challenge you to something that I think really may touch your heart. These hearts, you, as Valentine's Day comes up, are available at the back table. Maybe your first time gift could go to support the work of AIM in Cambodia that is fighting for the lives and the dignity of hundreds and thousands, globally millions of girls caught in sex trafficking. Your gift will go directly to AIM. Maybe it's a one-time gift you do, or I would challenge you uh, just to that one-time gift uh, in the next three months. Become a first-time giver. Take a step and change the life of a young person by helping them uh, get cared for and eventually get an education. I think a first-time gift is critical because here at Adventure, we see the next generation of adventurers led by the Spirit, known for their love for one another, their neighbors, the Natomas community, and the city of Sacramento. Let me just ask you, have you seen yourself as a missionary that the Holy Spirit sent to Natomas to bring Jesus' hope to this imperfect world? What you sow is what you grow. Your giving is going to have a direct impact on your living conditions here in Natomas. Consider over the next three months of making a first-time gift. Second step for you is to consider giving on a consistent basis. To give on a consistent basis. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And we, we think if you give to adventure on a consistent basis, you're going to get to see more and more of the compassion ministry that our church has. How many of you were here last weekend and saw how many compassion volunteers were honored last weekend at the well? I asked one of my staff members, did we have 50, 75? She thought we had 100 volunteers that we honored at the well that serve in compassion ministry, that were part of distributing uh, 9,100 meals to the homeless, that were part of 50 different families this year, uh, provided a special meal for homeless families through Family Promise. I mean, over the top, uh, that's a service that's been uh, led by our Compassion 365 team. Consistent giving will help adventurers respond to God's whispers while opening their homes, during hectic work weeks, at hospital bedsides, in prison visitation, at homeless shelters, at weddings, funerals, at rallies, and on multiple Sacramento campuses in the future, serving an imperfect world with the mercy of Jesus. Jesus said, I desire mercy. Go see what this means. We want to be a place at Adventure where no perfect people are allowed, where we demonstrate strongly God's grace. And I want to ask you this morning, during your hectic week, Can you see yourself as a distributor of Jesus' hope? Let me tell you, if you start giving consistently, what you sow is going to grow here at Adventure, and it's going to grow in our community. Thirdly, you make a decision to plan your giving. You make a decision to plan your giving. You become intentional about your giving. And you know, if you've you've signed up with uh, AT&T or Verizon you know that you have to be intentional about paying your phone bill. You can't call AT&T this month and say, hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. Kind of been of a tough month this month. We're going to take the month off and just not pay you. We would like you to keep our phone bill on if you would. Probably not going to happen. You're not going to call your lender at, or your uh, manager of your apartment and say, hey, going to be a tough month this month. I hope you'll just show us grace. We're not going to be paying our bill. No, you're intentional. You've planned your, your, um, your AT&T mobile payment. You've planned your uh, mortgage payment. You're intentional. And if you become intentional with your giving, you're going to directly impact our uh, student ministry and our children's ministry. We see the next generation of mentors, grandparents, and parents, their children and students, bringing Jesus' hope to their imperfect homes, campuses, and the city. One of our own intercome freshman students and a preacher's kid, Grant Matthews, years ago took a courageous step and invited his friend Roger uh, Andrade to our city's first Lewis Palau Festival. When Palau offered an invitation, Roger raised his hand and identified Jesus as the leader of his life. Fast forward three years. It's the early fall semester of Roger's senior year at Intercombe. Over the weekend in September, a student commits suicide. District and school administrators and chaplains are on high alert. One of those is with us this morning. How will less stable students respond was the question. In the midst of an ice bucket challenge on social media, a student recruited his cousin Jasmine and friend Guiana to start what would become a trend on campus and Twitter. Hashtag pass it on. Paste encouraging post-it notes everywhere on campus. Post-it notes read, you're worth more, you're great, radiate positivity, heart, 
The student convinced one teacher to dismiss her third period class to cover the atrium with more post-its. Even a bathroom mirror reflected a post-it. You're beautiful just the way you are was posted. Looking back, this student, Roger, that brought hope to a campus says it was a really beautiful week. Everyone loved each other. That Roger was the Roger Grant invited to a Louis Palau event years ago when Grant took a courageous step. Take a courageous step bringing Jesus hope to a student who will bring Jesus hope to a third period classroom who will bring Jesus hope to a campus. Pass it on. What you sow is what you grow. When you make a decision to be intentional about your giving, you're going to impact Adventure's ability to make an impact in this community. And we've got to realize that what we do in this, at this church is going to influence this community. The way we reach out to young people and families and uh, young adults is going to affect the direction of this community. I, I believe strongly, I love that our schools are getting better. We have an IB track at Intercom. Uh, we have um, graduates that are going to universities. We have lots of private school, charter school opportunities. But I believe the most important component in every young person's life and in their homes is that their homes are led by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That is what will make Natomas safe. That is what will make Natomas um, a growing place for families to come and move to. Now, if what you sow is what you grow, some folks take that even further. By a precedent in the Old Testament and some mentions in the New Testament, not out of law, but out of a desire because they're stirred in their own heart, we have people in our church that give 10% of their income. That, that's huge. Some of, you are thinking, some of you may be having a panic attack right now if you are. Please just raise your hand and we'll get someone to take you out. This can be tough. Ten, the, the principal tithe means 10%. It started actually before the law by Abraham who gave a 10% portion. His, son, his grandson Jacob was clear about that. Uh, it was a practice throughout the Old Testament. In the New Testament, as mentioned, it is not a law. It is simply a guide. I think it can be a goal to try to get there. So if you're beat, don't beat yourself up this morning. But listen to this, t- this testimony of a couple that stepped out and made a decision from one of our sister churches. We had been unplugged for a while, not been going to a church, and I knew deep down I really needed to be plugged back in. Uh, we took a step of faith and joined one of the small groups while we were here mm-hmm. and really started reaching out to God. You know, there was a void in our lives and we had to fill it. Uh, we had tried everything else on our own and everything else wasn't working. Um, my job was difficult. We weren't meeting our bills. We weren't meeting our obligations. I was having some challenges there. So we asked God to help us. I started putting out my resume, started inquiring about positions and a job had come out of the blue um, and they had given me some numbers and went home and spoke with my wife about it, and it actually worked out for us. I had felt that with the blessing of the job, that he was providing the income, and it was all because God had provided, not because I had done it, that I needed to be more faithful and trust him. So we had discussed tithing, and in my opinion, tithing God's way. 100% of everything belongs to God. He's only asking for 10% of it back. 
And what we did was I wanted to give the first fruits of how he was blessing us. And to me, first fruits is the best of what he gives you. And that means when I get my check, it's not tithing off that number that's on the check, but going back to the stub and looking at what did I make before the taxes, before the government took their share, before I paid for health insurance, before anything else that came out. You know, that's the first fruit number. And that's what I wanted to give. And that's where my heart was to give that number. And that, you know, obviously cost some. This made me incredibly nervous. I was very upset about it because I've always put my security in money. So I prayed and I prayed about it. And I was angry about it and resentful about it. But we got to church that Sunday where we had planned and calculated how much we were going to give. And then the, you know, the morning wore on and the collection plate came around and my husband made me put the money <laughs> in the basket and um, off it went. So that was our first morning and I still had to pray about it after that. I still was not okay with it. Um, and honestly, I, I still get some anxiety when I know that, well, we've gotten some more income and it's time to tithe that now. I still get anxiety over it. I still have to pray about it. It's paralyzing for a minute. You really have to get over the shock of it and go back to remembering, well, God's provided for us in the past and this has happened and this is just another challenge that I really believe that the enemy is putting in front of us to keep us from, from obeying God. And when we obey God every time, there's always provision. We always get through it. The benefit that I see of giving is to give with a joyful heart is really when the blessings really start to come. You can't outgive God. And that doesn't mean that He's going to give you more money. It may be blessings in other ways. Uh, Maybe health. It could be longer life. It could be, you know, your child decides to get baptized. Um, all these things are blessings. And God's taking care of us in every aspect right now. And we're very, very happy that we're able to give happily and joyfully, knowing. The enemy's still out there trying to prod us into, you know, doubting. That still happens. And, still you know, happens. we get these unexpected expenses and, you know, it, it creates some concern, but God's still standing there whispering quietly, I'm here, trust me. I love that light, last line. God still is uh, there been whispering. Unplugged for a while, not been going. I love you, trust me. It comes down to trust. It comes down to trust. Folks, what you sow is what you grow. And I love this reference. He said, you know, sometimes the way God blesses us is our children will be baptized. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, there's a higher level of contentment in the home. Whatever. Christ wants to open heaven towards you as you take the next step. Now, some, and I'm not exaggerating, I know we have at least one person in our church that does this because it's the only person that's been openly uh, about it, has been open about it. And that is to take a step towards radical giving. Uh, And this is where you decide, I'm going to give over and above my 10%. I want to do something ridiculous. In fact, I know that this person is uh, just has found this to be a real joy. And it sometimes happens during difficult seasons. In fact, I can say personally, just because you give give generously doesn't mean that things are going to go great. One of the uh, perks of being uh, a pastor is sometimes I get things cheap. 
uh, people are generous with me. There's three places that give me things cheap right now. Uh, my dry cleaners gave me a cheap deal yesterday. I told her she didn't. That wasn't necessary, but she wanted to. Um, my, the, the guy who watches my dog when I go on a vacation doesn't charge me. I've offered. He doesn't want charge. The last person who gives me a deal is my auto mechanic. He saves me like 30%. Um, I went in last week and I brought my car. I'm all excited. Get the budget, you know, going to get a cheap deal. I did not get offered it last week. And the bill on my car was huge. But listen, I trust the Lord with that. Also, the IRS has submitted a bill to me this year that is huge. But listen, I trust the Lord. I don't get unnerved. I trust God to provide. He is my provider. When you're radically generous, I, I think God is going to give you more seed. Just like, uh, just like 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians indicates, he's the provider of seed. You give generously, he's going to give you more seed. It may not be money. It may be more enrichment. But he does. And uh, it's an absolute um, joy to give and even to receive the generosity of others. One of our children's ministry volunteers, wife and mother of two boys, Nadine Taghop, did whatever it would take to ensure that our 2014 children's Christmas musical, The Secret of Snowflake County, was performed as best as possible. Nadine served in an area of her passion. When approached about the success of the experience, Nadine responded, All the praise goes to God and indicated that her greatest joy was all of the first-time decisions to follow Jesus, including an extended family member and one of her son's teachers. Nadine served with her extended family. Her extended family member discovered Jesus' hope, and her son's teacher experienced Jesus' hope. Use your gifts of radical generosity or giving at any one of these steps, and you will see in the future, that more and more folks will experience Jesus' hope. One opportunity we have at Adventure that's very unique is within a couple weeks, we made this announcement last week, Jeremy and Kim Jones will be moving from Indianapolis to serve as our next-gen pastor. He starts March 1st. God provided generously to us. And you might think, what's the connect? Here's the connect. If in Natomas we, have, we reach more and more children more and more junior high and high school and college-age young adults, we're going to have an opportunity for Natomas to continue to be a place that families want to stay in. And Jeremy's going to be a part of that. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, you will be made rich in every way. This is verse 11. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will, will result in thanksgiving to God. Folks, I want you to adventure with us in bringing Jesus' hope to this imperfect world by taking a prayerful step towards generosity. This is your homework this week. I simply want you to, if you're single, I want you to go to the Lord and pray to him about your giving. If you're married, I want you to go to your spouse and have a little prayer time about your giving and say, hey, where are we at? Is the Holy Spirit asking us to take another step? And you go to him and let him give you direction on where to go. And I think if you do that, you're going to enjoy B2C living. One of the pushbacks folks give because they don't want to that because they don't want to give is this. They decide, "Hey, you know what? My goals in life are to get from A to B." 
if I stop give if I start giving to to the church, that delays my ability to get to point B. I want to get from A to B. If I start giving, then I don't get to B as soon as I would like to. It delays it, maybe three, four, five, ten years. And you know what that you know what that suggests? It suggests that the person that is thinking like that isn't thinking that God's the one that provided them the jobs. God's the one that provides more seed. God's the one that introduces variables where uh, we get promotions or new opportunities that we never imagined. And what Bill Hybels describes A to B lack of faith, he says, if you'll instead reason that if I give to the church, which is the hope of the world, then I have a much higher probability of not just getting to be, but getting to see. And so giving is be to see living. It's where you trust God with your goals and you uh, trust Jesus with, with the ways he wants to enrich your life. That to me, folks, is spirit-led giving. It's, it's cheerful. It's joyful. There's relationship there. It's confidential. And it's fun because we get a chance to invest, especially this season, into our own community by bringing on a next-gen pastor. You've been great this morning. Uh, Let's close in prayer as James comes to close our service. Heavenly Father, thank you for your generosity, the seed that you've given us. Help us view this most sensitive area in our life as a chance to get closer to Jesus and surrender more of our heart to him. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. James. Thank you, Pastor Scott. <clears throat> you know, Pastor Scott gave me some perspective this morning uh, in that example with the French fries.